Welcome to Office Baggage, where two corporate women unpack our week in business. Every week, co-hosts Ray Parent and Marcy Tweet tackle the WTF business topics you want to talk about on every rung of the business ladder. Bring your baggage. We'll We'll unpack it. Welcome back. I'm Marcy Tweet, your host, and today is a special crossover episode between my two podcasts, Table Stakes Podcast, the podcast for responsible, sustainable leaders and companies, and Office Baggage Podcast, unpacking a woman's week in business. As we all navigate the COVID-19 crisis, another crisis is arising for businesses and individuals around the world, a talent crisis. Stanford studies show that an incredible 42% of U.S. labor force is now working from home full-time, and 93% of employees report that they would like to keep working remotely, at least some of the time. But working from home is the literal definition of a double-edged sword in today's talent marketplace. While working from home can mean higher productivity because of a lack of commute or increased flexibility to deal with family needs, It can also mean a real difficulty in unplugging, a sense of loneliness, and a loss of collaboration and creativity that an office setting can often combine. The only things we know for sure today is that COVID-19 has changed our workforces for the foreseeable future. And the companies who succeed when it comes to talent through this crisis will be thinking actively and strategically about how to engage employees provide resources for their growth and development, and ensure their pipeline remains strong, even in a global pandemic. Today, I'm joined by two dear friends and colleagues, Sophia Ruffalo and Kirsten Ramos. Sophia is a determined and passionate entrepreneur, lawyer, and advocate who appeared on Office Baggage earlier this year, just before the shutdown, to discuss the women-owned business platform she launched in 2018, FemBot. Sophia is a champion of diversity and inclusion, especially for underserved populations. She's a sought after expert and speaker on risk management, regulation, and growing a business from side hustle to full time. Kirsten Ramos is an expert in learning and development activities for businesses of all size, from smaller post-startup organizations to the Fortune 500. She is deeply passionate about working with new managers to provide tools for leading others effectively, assisting individuals with presentation skills, and delivering fun and engaging team-building programs. Together, over the last few months, Kirsten, Sophia, and I have developed and are launching a new program we'll share the details of with you today called Upskilling Remotely, Building Talent and Trust for the Future. In today's podcast, we'll discuss the top concerns for talent management in today's crisis environment and the solid steps you and your company can take to get ahead of the curve and invest in talent sustainability and diversity to engage teams in this double-edged sword environment. So here they are, my friends, Kirsten Ramos and Sophia Ruffalo, and we're talking about upskilling remotely and talent sustainability. 
I'm joined today by Sophia Ruffalo and Kirsten Ramos, two of my dear friends. And we're excited to talk to you about this program that we've put together um, that we've been working on for a few months, upskilling remotely. Sophia, Kirsten, thanks for joining me. Excited to have you both on the podcast plural today, um, since we're going live with both office baggage and table stakes on this exciting episode, because really talent is such an important conversation all the time, but especially in this craziness that we've been dealing with in 2020. So before we jump in on upskilling, let's just talk about and with each of you. Sophia, give us a quick overview of who you are, what you do. And for those who might not have listened to the episode we had you on on Office Baggage a few months ago, tell our listeners a little bit about what you do today with FemBot. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for having me, Marcy. And it's fun to be back. And it's fun to be here with you and Kirsten, because this new project that we're working on is so timely. And it's been a really fun, fun road that stemmed out of out of Fembot. But a little bit about who I am and what drives me is I came from the corporate world of what I like to call big law and risk management. And uh, and had discretionary income to spend and wanted to put, I wanted to walk the walk and spend my money on women businesses. And then quickly realized it's not just discretionary money, it's non-discretionary money. It's where our money should be going, where people should come to spend their dollars on women owned businesses. And quickly out of that realized being an entrepreneur is hard. It is a hard road, it is isolating. You are not the master of all trades or mistress of all trades. And you um, it's fantastic to have been able to build a community of hundreds of women who get together and skills develop. We talk about funding education. We do real-time B2B transactions, which we'll talk about because we um, in and amongst ourselves have done that. And then just being around a supportive community of like, minded women business owners to, to, to grow our businesses together. It's, um, we're essentially, we're solving some of those unique challenges that women face in the marketplace. Absolutely. So Kirsten, let me let you introduce yourself. Tell us you what brought you here today. Tell us a little bit about Elevate Performance Solutions, your company, um, and let our, our listeners meet you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me, Marcy. Really how Elevate Performance Solutions came about is that I left a company I loved to pursue a larger career growth goal. And that didn't pan out. In fact, it almost immediately didn't pan, pan out. And I started talking to a lot of Chicago tech leaders. And I found that there was a real need for learning and development in the post-startup marketplace. And so many companies were growing really fast and promoting really quickly and they weren't providing their team members with managerial training. So I founded Elevate Performance Solutions a little over four years ago to help solve for that need. So today I work with companies of various sizes across many industries, and not only on that leadership and management skills training, but also on all employee development topics. 
Fantastic. And the three of us, the reason we kind of start by talking about Fembot and, and Elevate, the three of us met through Fembot. And the thing I love about Fembot and what brings us here today is there's really no pretense or, or sense of competitiveness or fear of disclosure of the women business owners who are a part of Fembot. It really is. And kudos to you, Sophia, and to Stacy for really your partner for bringing this to, to the forefront. You really have created a rising tides raises all boats kind of platform. And that's what brought us together today on launching this idea of upskilling remotely. So Sophia, talk to us about how the idea of upskilling remotely first came to you. What did you see? I mean, I know that you saw some trends happening in, in law firms going back to 2008, 2009 and concerned the same thing would happen in 2019. Talk about the impetus for upskilling remotely and, and you know bringing Kirsten and I together to have this conversation. Oh yeah, this is the fun part. This is the the why um, and the magic behind it. You know, I started with as soon as the pandemic hit, and I realized that I was seeing what happened in two thousand and eight, which was hiring freezes and people jumping in for crisis management, and immediately fast forwarded in my eyes jumped to what happened in the pan, um, post credit crisis, which was there were skills gaps, institutional knowledge gap, seniority gaps in all facets of corporate and law firm life. And you had a whole generation of people who weren't brought into the workforce in a way to fill and rise and grow and, and career develop in a way that was that that is build sustainability and achieve sustainability in in your business. And so next I called Kirsten and said, let's chat. I have an idea. It's a, it's a it's a good one. And knowing you as someone who is great at the facilitation learning and development side of it. You know, I, I have my expertise, but really wanted to bring an expert like Kirsten in, and I'll let her talk a little bit about that piece of it. But then, of course, the two of us both said, Marcy, on the sustainability side, there's there there's no one as good as you on, on this topic to kind of round this really important subject out. Yeah, so Kirsten, talk about the effects that you've seen in the corporate sector in terms of leadership development in this crisis. What are those pain points you're hearing from your clients about skills building during COVID-19? Yeah, so there's there's a couple big pain points that I've talked to people about so far. And one of the pain points is really they're seeing that the natural mentorship or sponsorship of more junior employees has gone down. So a lot of leaders are telling me that they have concerns that those whiteboard sessions that happen in a conference room or at someone's workspace or in their office or a huddle space, they're not happening because no one's in the office. The other issue that they're, being, that they're seeing a lot of is because a lot of school-aged children are now learning from home, women, are the ones leaving the workforce or they're taking a step back in their career paths to supervise e-learning at home. And it's interesting because as I've been looking into course development for this program, I was reading a, an article that came out just the 19th of last month saying 
that it was in Forbes and they were saying that a recent National Bureau of Economic Research study found that unlike past recessions where men were unemployed at higher rates than women, the COVID-19 pandemic has really forced women out of the workforce disproportionately high. And the recent data from the Labor Department shows that 865,000 women left the workforce in September alone, nearly four times the number of men who left in the same month. So this is scary and it really needs to be addressed. Yeah, there's been so many issues uh, as it relates to women. Um, a friend of mine who who managed a, a really bright, bright woman, um, sadly, that woman just said, chose to leave her position and, and really didn't have the help at home to to manage her children at home. And I watched this person in my life do everything possible to keep this woman in the workforce, you know, try to flex hours, try to um, bring people in to help on projects. And it was heartbreaking for her to have to leave in, in a really, you know, frankly, a crappy circumstance. And it's awful. And, you know, corporations can do a lot of things. And sometimes even when you do all the right things, it doesn't work. But it's this issue, and, and I'm so glad you guys brought me in, on thinking about talent as a sustainability issue and talent mm -hmm. management as a sustainability issue. Um, and if you look at, you know, I always tell people, look at the sustainability reports of big corporations and almost every sustainability report out there has a materiality matrix. The, you know, the issues that are most important to your company and the issues that have the ability to have an effect on your company. And I've yet to see a materiality matrix that doesn't have um, talent in that upper right-hand quarter, because if you lose talent, if you can't command talent in your company, in your firm, you stand to have an enormous number of issues. And those issues are real trickle-down issues, right? Into ethics, into environmental sustainability, into um, you know, ongoing talent management and, and processes and, and all of those kinds of things. Sophia, one of the things that you've talked about in um, law firms specifically, and why we've been talking to a lot of law firms about this, is just the issue of succession planning and of that sort of trickle-down knowledge management information. So talk about that for, for firms. Why are we losing that knowledge management issue when we're in these kind of pandemic situations? Yeah. This is this has been a big prompt and, and topic for me. And uh, you know, law firms sometimes are a little bit later to the the party on kind of an innovative um, processes. So while some of the corporations, especially on the technology side, have seen, you know, Zoom earlier, this is a bit of a, a first in in a lot of ways for for law firms. And what we see is that organic transfer of knowledge, um, the need to simulate it. So for those of us like me who came from big law firms. I gained pivotal transformative information in the context of a walk and talk scenario or riding up an escalator, grabbing a coffee, or just even the client walks out of the meeting and I get the partner's 30 seconds at that point early in my career to hear how they think about that situation. And those moments really come at very particular points in a, um, in a cycle of information transfer 
And if you don't capture those moments right on the spot, replicating them can, can be difficult and can be awkward. And there's a tendency right now and a tendency also with, with lawyers just historically to look at FaceTime as opposed to career development that goes into the, um, the, the oversight, the supervision, the delegation, the feedback, that, that cyclical activity really actually came in more of the walk and talk organic moments. And so it's really bringing that back into the law firm um, management and career development cycle. What advice, so part of, we're going to get into what upskilling remotely is, but part of the, the process that we're putting together here is to give people those hard and concrete skills to take what was organic, right? Knocking on a partner's door or talking on the way back from a meeting and make it organic in a, a really non-organic environment. And Kirsten, you've talked about this in, in our, our conversations of really how do you find those mentor opportunities, those sponsor opportunities in what's a really unnatural setting right now? What advice are you giving your clients? I'm telling them that you have to be intentional about it. And it may feel a little unnatural because here we are, we're not used to working at our kitchen tables. We're not used to having multiple family members around us. So we have to be really, you know, for those leaders, they have to be really intentional about creating those mentorship opportunities. And it could even be, hey, I'm jumping on this client call. And although you're not on this client, why don't you attend as well? Afterward, we'll have just a quick 15 minute touch base. You can ask me any of the questions that came up during the session. I will also maybe ask you some questions to see what you took away from those, those client meetings. Um, I think you know, the word intentionality really, really strikes out when I'm working with clients on mentorship. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Um, my husband's boss does this incredibly well. Um, part of the benefit of being with our spouses in our homes right now is we often hear more about what they're doing. But my husband's boss following, my husband does a lot of presentations to clients and a lot of, um, you know, uh, demos and taking people through software and things like that. And my husband's boss will even right after a meeting or sometimes on their one-on-one -on -one, will say, let's talk about this presentation. And I, I love the way he does it. He'll say, you know, I would give this an, an A minus, you know, or I would give this an 80 out of a hundred. So here's the things we could change. And that immediate feedback mechanism yes. is, is so important. And usually we get it walking down the hallway. Great job. You could have done this, or you could have done that. Um, building that in, if you've got a 45 minute meeting, put a five minute meeting on the calendar following, or, you know, make sure that you're making those lists of things to talk about in your one-on-ones, right? It's absolutely invaluable. Yep. And I think you said it perfectly, Marcy, in the, it has to be nearly immediate. It may not be absolutely immediate because another meeting's butting up to it, but making sure you're putting in those notes for that one-on-one -on -one so that weeks don't go by and you're bringing up something in a presentation that the person forgot about because it was so long ago. Yeah. So Sophia, specifically for firms, this is something I think a lot of law firms focus really heavily on attracting talent out of law school, bringing people in. What are the mistakes that we're making now 
in retaining that talent. And when we look at people, I mean, the, the good and the bad news about the pandemic, right, is that there's a lot of movement happening in jobs. Um, but it also means that there's a lot of people choosing to leave and there's a lot of people choosing to walk away. What are those holes that firms are going to have to fill? How do they make sure that they're, they're not in this sort of talent vacuum in a year? And, and Marcy, that's a really important question. And we're already far into this. And so it's also looking at what's transpired to date and figuring out like, we, we're in the longest two week crisis of our lives. And, and it is extending. We're hearing now March before people go back to work. And, and the reality is, people feeling like their careers are on hold for more than a year will find somewhere where they haven't put people's careers on hold for a year. And mm -hmm. that number one, first and foremost, is reversing that feeling. That may not be the intention of the law firms. They may not even realize they're doing it. They need to start doing pulse checks on, on those sorts of things and taking the temperature of the of their talent because the reality is if somebody feels like they've lost a year, then that is a really, really big deal in a segment of the workforce where it's a lock, generally a lockstep process. You know, your first year, then your second year, then your third year, and, and eventually you reach partnership level. Well, I had somebody who provided me great organic advice <laughs> and organic moment advice where I was feeling a little uncertain about my career and I'm two or three years in and they said your career's a marathon not a sprint and then explained to me you know not it doesn't require too much to understand that but conceptually you get it and, and gave me a little bit more advice and that person's advice has stuck with me throughout giving somebody who feels like they've lost a year a piece of advice like that, and then what their next steps are to feed, to help them understand that they are making it along with their peers in the in the plan that that is right for them. It, it changes the dynamic dynamic of losing talent or retaining talent. Well, it's one of those things too, and I think you said it exactly. If the longest two weeks crisis of our life, when you go back, wait and see, and let's hold off. We're okay things to say in March and April, and maybe even going into May and June, but it's now been almost nine months of this. You can't keep canceling programs. You can't keep postponing things. Um, on the positive side of this, I actually um, was talking to a couple of friends, as, as you guys know, I just moved um, back to Minnesota um, and Target Corp looms large everywhere you go in, in Minneapolis. And I have a number of friends who worked for Target Corp and anybody who lives in Minneapolis knows Target's annual, um, they do a big annual employee event where they fly people in from all over the country. You always knew if you lived in Minneapolis, even when I was here 10 years ago, you always knew when Target's big event was going on. It would be like Dave Matthews Band is here, or, you know, like all these comedians and all of these events. And Target made the decision this year not to cancel it. And a lot of companies would have canceled. And they ended up having a totally virtual online event. And I've had now, I think it was last week, or in the last couple of weeks, I've had multiple friends who work at Target say it was the best annual event they've ever had. Because for the first time ever, they didn't have to pick 
which things they went to. They got to go to everything because it was all online. They figured out how to do a family engagement event. They, I mean, they really got into it. And I think that's the choice that a lot of companies are making right now is do we take the things we would normally do and stop them for this year? Or do we figure out a way as hard as it might be to keep them going? Those are the companies that are going to look back and have talent at the end of this. Absolutely. So Kirsten, let's talk a little bit about as we put the foundation together for upskilling remotely and for the kinds of skills that managers and and leaders need to have during this time, you felt really strongly, and and I agree because I love this framework, that we kind of base everything on Simon Sinek's start with why. So talk about this framework for those people who might not know it. I hope everybody has at least seen the start with why framework at some point, but what does that kind of base of purpose and why what does that have to do with retention and skill building? Why is it so important? Sure. And, it, you know, it kind of, as I'm having these conversations, even with just individuals from various groups, what I'm finding is that everyone's trying to look for this silver lining of the pandemic. And many of these conversations have circled around slowing down, relishing nature, focusing on what really matters. And of course, that is how it's related, you know, how this book is related to that quest for the silver lining. And although the book was published in 2009, the key messages in the book are really more relevant today than ever before, in my opinion, because the concept of starting with why is to inspire your employees, not based on what the company does, but why the company does what it does. Uh, It's also to show individuals and employees of your organization the purpose in what they do, that sometimes it's it's easy to lose that that feeling of purpose. But if organizations, and especially leaders and, and managers, are focused in on reminding individuals the reason why they are where they are, it helps with the organization. It's leading with the why as opposed to leading with fear or, or you know, scaring employee bases. Um, so I, I really think that that inspiration is what's going to drive people to act and even to want to build upon their skills, even when they're taxed in this current climate. And it's a great way to build skills as we put this program together. You know, my expertise is is less in talent and more in corporate responsibility and sustainability. Um, Volunteerism has long been a great way to build skills, right? If you have a person who's mid-level in your organization and you can't promote them in the next couple of years, but you can help them get a nonprofit board seat or do some pro bono work or continue to use their skills in this sort of skills-based volunteerism model. And frankly, this year, a lot of that has kind of fallen off. But the truth is the nonprofit sector, the social sector needs us and our skills and, and the corporate sector more than ever today. The nonprofit sector has been decimated by this crisis. Um, yeah. Incredible amounts of individual donations going away, incredible amounts of corporate donations going away, um, lots of layoffs. And it's the best time to volunteer. It's the best time to do pro bono work. And you can do a lot of it remotely. And the companies that are giving their employees the opportunity to do that kind of work 
And that's an opportunity for them to maybe not get promoted, maybe not have that next step in their career right now, or get that, you know, financial package that they're ready for this year. At least they're showing them they can get involved and connect with that why in another way. Absolutely. Yes. So let's talk about the nuts and bolts of upskilling remotely. Um, Sophia, do you want to kind of tell everybody what this program is and who it's geared at, um, what the process will be? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and ta- talking about the why, I'm just going to go back to quickly to, to play off of what, what you just said in terms of pro- the pro bono, the the skill building, the supervision and delegation of work, feedback. If you don't have work that necessarily is in the the core competencies uh, and and readily available, giving somebody pro bono at this time is skill building, is building on talent, and so that drives me right into the program. So the program essentially. What it, it's designed for is to take leaders at, at all levels of an organization and t- help them skill build, um, transfer knowledge, career develop their employees. I always talk about our, our uh, prototypical excited employee who was always um, always there and ready to participate and do that project and her her name is Amy and she's feeling isolated and Amy wants to work on things and how are you going to get that knowledge over to her to help her get from point A to point B in her skill building. We, we do that through the, um, through the skill building elements of it, which is, is a lot of fun. And then from there, it's, uh, it's kind of the the career development component of it. And by that, first you have to develop managerial trust. So when you're supervising somebody in a, um, in a crisis, your first inclination is, I'll get back to you right now, I have to deal with this crisis. And so it's bringing managers and leaders back into the fold of, okay, you're part of the crisis too. The part of the crisis that I have to manage is, is you and how your career is going to develop. Because we know that 81% of executives feel like they don't have a sustainable pipeline. And of those executives, 55% believe that they're gonna have some big attrition, whether it's you know people leaving the workforce for um, naturally or for because of the pandemic, whichever, um, whichever reason. And, and so building that talent pipeline through career development by treating a crisis as also requiring crisis management and career development, it's that whole, um, what I like to call the trifecta of making Amy feel valued. Yeah, absolutely. So Kirsten, when we talked about how to create this program, the three of us had a lot of conversations of like, is this a webinar series? Is this a one-on-one coaching platform? What what does this look like? And what we ultimately landed on was this six-week cohort model. And you really taught me a lot about the cohort model. Why do cohorts work so well in professional development? Um, Talk about why we picked this sort of small group, multi-week model. Yes. So 
In my experience, cohort-based learning allows participants to not only learn from facilitators or speakers, they have the opportunity to learn from one another. It also promotes that thought of continuation of learning after the program ends. Since you have others that have shared in the experience and you have people now to bounce ideas off of moving forward long after the program ends, so to speak. Yeah. And then the other thing we've kind of, you know, I think everybody's a little bit burned out of Zoom. And Sophia, you've done a great job on FemBot on, on our calls weekly and things like that of really engaging people in Zoom. So how have you gone about and how in this program do we plan to go about making this kind of online learning fun and making sure that people are, you know, not muted and not paying attention? <laughs> Yeah. No, well, there's a lot of fun. We've all been on those things, right? I hosted (laughs) something last week that I was like, unmute yourselves, unmute yourselves. And it just didn't work. Is anyone there? (laughs) You know, it's funny. It's true. There, there are the things people want to go to and the things people don't want to go to, and they don't know which side they fall in that realm until the first person starts talking and it is energy and engagement. And so with energy and engagement, which is really draining, you have to have something else. It has to, it has to be a short enough amount of time where you're able to put that energy into it. And so high value, low amount of input is, is really the success to these types of things. So 90 minutes is what, what we've decided is kind of the right amount of time. And with it, there are portions of it where you're on and portions of it where you're off. But the the ultimate element in a in a Zoom learning session is that people are engaging with one another and are feeling heard and not just listening and, and not to hear the sound of their own voice um, because that that that's where the facilitation, that's where Kirsten and, and Marcy, you and I always come in because we're able to bring the conversation back to something relevant where everybody's constantly learning from it. So it takes a strong, a strong facilitation uh, amongst leaders to really plant the elements of the conversation and then give them the practicing tools to go off and break them out into the breakout groups to have those um, meaningful one-on-one times, which are less stressful. So within the 90 minutes in each, uh, in each session, we're, we're really taking, we know the energy levels that are necessary and we're breaking them into giving energy and taking energy. I think that's a great point because as a leader, as a manager, and for us as facilitators, you have to recognize that everybody learns differently and everybody likes different things. And, you know, I think about our FemBot group where, where the three of us met, um, you know, I did that whole group and there was a Slack channel the whole time. And I never joined the Slack channel because that's just not the way I communicate. Like that's just not the way I learn. And it's funny now we're, you, we're all starting this new mastermind cohort part of for, for FemBot. And I sent Sophia a text message the other day and I said, I finally joined the, the Slack channel. And so I have to push myself because I have to recognize that people that I work with might learn that way. And even though that's not the way I learn, I'd rather get online and have a five minute Zoom conversation than type on Slack. 
some people love Slack and some people love being on those kinds of things. And so I think that was even a lesson for me of like, we all stick in our comfort zones, but we need to know that other people have different comfort zones than we have. So true. And I, th I think, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, a lot of times, because we don't have these big teams behind us, we don't know that, that Slack is something that uh, others in other organizations use daily and they have different channels. And so I, I'm right there with you, Marcy. I, I, I've joined, but I'm not as active as I, as I need to be. Absolutely. Get everybody Slack ready. We're, we're, we're going to be chatting throughout. It, <laughs> it is a great tool, though, if, if I may just jump in and, and talk about something like a Slack, and it doesn't have to be a Slack tool per se. But there's offline, we give people um, homework. And that homework can be very daunting if it requires face-to-face -face time. But if it's really a couple of texts, people can, can think through that type of homework and, and usually perform it and are more likely to succeed at it. So it's different levels of success ratios that, that we see and giving people multifaceted tools, exactly what you said, Marcy, based on their learning profiles. Yeah, absolutely. And it's somewhere, you know, I've seen so many companies do this. Well, I, I talk about my husband's company because I think they, they do an incredible job of a lot of things, but they have an ongoing, I actually don't think they use Slack. I think they use another platform, but I'm not sure which one. They have an ongoing thing and their CEO gets on usually on Friday afternoons, I think, and comments on things that people have put in the Slack channel and gives people kudos. And it is such a wonderful thing to see and to hear. Like, you know, my husband will be like, oh, you know, our CEO said, congratulations or great job to one of my team members. And that was so awesome to see. I mean, it really does. It's however you can passively congratulate and bring people forward and actively congratulate and bring people forward. So let's, um, I think let's wrap up here. I think we've talked about the program. Um, we've talked about what we're doing. For those who are interested in upskilling remotely, building talent and trust for the future, it's a six week small group leadership program um, that generally we're talking about doing inside corporations, inside law firms um, for groups of leaders or emerging leaders. Um, who else would you guys say this program is for and who should really kind of put their eyes on this and think about bringing it into their organization. It's a neat opportunity. I'll go in and interested in Kristen's thoughts, but if you're part of an organ, a not-for-profit organization, for example, of women lawyers, and you're all similarly situated, but not necessarily in a large organization and already are inclined to collaborate this is a great way to build upon your collaboration and use the resources of your, your peers as your support system and mechanism to further grow your, your businesses. Absolutely. Kirsten, anything to add? Yeah. It, I... Yes, I, I agree with, with what Sophia said. And I also think that groups within organizations that are um, similar, similarly leveled within organizations work well. This way there's no conflict of interest when you really get into some great conversations and you, you know, you're worried your direct report, who's also a manager, 
is with you. But that said, I think um, it can be same groups where you're all at in the same type of department, or it can be even cross-functionally. I, you know, I think that would also work well. So you now know the your peers in other departments, what their pain points and, and how you could all, for the betterment of the organization, help one another. I think that works very well as, you know, also. Great points. So I will put our Upscaling Remotely flyer information about the program on our podcast show notes, um, but feel free to reach out to to me for more information. I'll include our website and social media um, on the show notes as well. But I think in general, you know, what we would implore everyone who's listening to really think hard about is not to put talent on hold during a time when it's really difficult to invest in talent and managerial trust and team development. Um, To put this at the top of your list and really recognize that this is one of those canaries in a coal mine, that if you don't have the investment today, you'll find yourself with a real hole in your strategy tomorrow. And get in front of it now. this is not over. It's not going to be over soon. Um, we all wish it were, but keep investing today and develop these best practices during COVID. And if you can do that during a crisis, you can certainly do it when we get out of this crisis, hopefully when it is over someday. So Sophia, Kirsten, thanks for joining me. It's been great to have you on the podcast. So excited to be doing this program with both of you. Thank oh, you thanks for doing it with us. This is a blast. Yes, thanks.